This episode of Fuel for the Soul is powered by ASICS. Head over to ASICS.com and sign up for a one ASICS account. It's completely free, and when you sign up, you'll receive 10% off your first purchase. You'll also gain access to exclusive colorways on ASICS.com, free standard shipping, special birthday month discounts, and more. Hi, this is Thomas with Believe in the Run. And this is Megan with Believe in the Run. And this is Megan with Featherstone Nutrition. Dun, 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 dun. AKA Feathers, that if you now have seen her, you probably have recognized her from Instagram. She's pretty Instagram famous. She has this Toast Crunkle show every morning that you can watch. She usually has wild children doing something around her, and she's baking something that tastes like something, but is something that's healthier than normally what you would get if you were tasting something. Is, did I get that all correct? That was one of the most delightful highlight reels I've heard in a while. You nailed it. <laughs> All right. Poof. Feathers. I like it. All right. And you are listening to, or maybe watching now that this is on YouTube, uh, Fuel for the Soul, the podcast where we talk all things nutrition and hydration and how it affects performance. And Thomas, before we dive into some We'll have of to the be careful now, like no picking your nose or anything. Were you doing that before? You know, I thought about it, but now that there's cameras on, I got to make sure that I don't do anything like that. The cameras have always been on, FYI. We just haven't been publishing the video. Oh. <laughs> I'm actually here That's for the random things. Like, I mean, All I'm right. here for you randomly picking your nose and forgetting that <laughs> we're on video. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, before we dive into the questions, we got sent some stuff from gnarly sports nutrition i'm gonna say it again this isn't an ad no, they asked us to try it i've been trying uh the both things as a matter of fact one of them i'm drinking right now but the other one i've been trying now for a little bit they sent first this whey grass-fed protein do you approve of these megan yeah i was just gnarly pulling nutrition. up their stuff i'm pretty sure they're either informed choice or nsf certified i'm just pulling it up to there's, see yeah there's something on here may can you read that nsf nsf yeah NSF. i mean they've been on my radar as like a super reputable company um but i haven't tried their stuff so gnarly send me some to give a whirl too yeah nah just keep sending it to me no we'll get them <laughs> to send you stuff but okay so this I found very interesting because we were just talking about how Scratch changed their lingo. This is called hydrate extra sodium. Is it? Yeah. But what she's holding out. So we had two things because we got to remember not everybody's got the video. We we had a canister of protein, the whey grass fed protein, and they also sent this new because it's a limited edition flavor, salted margarita. Who doesn't Ooh. sound fun? You want that? Sounds that? good. Yeah. That's if you want to party while you're taking your run, like yeah. you're doing your run. You'd be like, I'll take a salt. But also, like, a way that I've used this stuff in the past, which you may or may not recommend, but if I've been drinking, like, say, Thanksgiving, <laughs> and I'm tying it on a little bit extra, before I go to bed, I usually take, like, one of these hydration mixes and drink up a nice 12 to 24 ounces of, of hydration mix because it's got the electrolytes to try to help me with not having a hangover. Well, I mean, that's what liquid IV was originally made for. It was made for hangovers and then it was made for airplanes. And then they were like, wait, athletes will. So like that's, it works. I thought you were going to say you put tequila in it and I was going to be like, well, Thomas, that's interesting. But no, you're actually rehydrating post beverages. I mean, I would try the tequila in it. It tastes <laughs> at first this morning, for some reason, it didn't taste as strong as it does now. Like at first I was like, well, it's a really light flavor. 
It's probably because of how much water you added. <laughs> Twenty. I did two two scoops with twenty four ounces, which is what they recommended. Try it, oh. Meg. Twenty four to thirty two ounces, actually. Maybe he did thirty two one time. Oh no, that's very strong. Okay. Yeah. Very potent. Cheers. It definitely got sparkling Cheers. water. <laughs> everybody, everybody, we Cheers. are now having a hydration break on hydration. the show. <laughs> Grab your beverage and swig some back. <laughs> Welcome to the happy hour. <clears throat> All right. So that's enough about gnarly, but so far Thomas is enjoying it. Megan, we'll get you some and we'll see what you think too. But wait, good. before we get off of it, I'm curious about the, the high sodium here. So we know that we use the hyperhydration before the race day, especially if it's going to be hot. And we use scratch during the race, which has a certain amount of sodium. If this is kind of somewhere in between there, would you recommend it for everybody or people that really have a high sweat count? So what I'm, I'm looking it up now so I can look at the actual ingredients. But what I'm thinking this is, is probably something to help rehydrate like after you said it was like four grams of sugar i think so my thought is this is competing with liquid iv which i usually have people drink either before or after a hot run that are heavy salty sweaters like because the sodium the flavor the sweetness is going to help you drink more of it and absorb it faster so like if you're having trouble staying on top of your hydration because you're a heavy sweater or it's the middle of the summer something like this would help you with that um i don't know Okay, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, I don't know that I would take this with me on a run, but I would definitely either do it before or after. Very cool. And while we're on the topic of hydration, Megan, we all just ran the Boston Marathon, and so did someone else named Emma Bates, who apparently went on a podcast and talked about her fueling hydration strategy, which was shocking to some of us. I think she went on our friend Allie on the Run's yes, podcast. Yes, her name's Allie Feller. Allie Feller? Is yeah. that her? Yeah. I think I've heard of her. She also announced us at the Boston Marathon. And when we ran across the finish line, she said, final check-in, because that's our other podcast that dropped. Uh, you finished the Boston Marathon. Yay. That's awesome. I was like all excited. And she came down and gave us hugs and stuff. It was awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. So she, Emma Bates, was on Allie Feller's like Boston Recap, and she told everyone that she tapes her pineapple can gel to an empty water bottle so that it's easier to grab, obviously, at all these aid stations, but that she doesn't drink any water or didn't drink water at the Boston Marathon. And people are coming out of the woodwork going, Megan, what? Why isn't she? What's going on? Everybody had to ask you know, what the deal was with this. And I think it's a phenomenal reminder that each one of us has a very different sweat rate and sweat composition. So what I have observed with a lot of the pros is they are not heavy sweaters and they are not salty sweaters. And that might actually play a little bit of a role into their performance benefits, right? If they're not getting dehydrated, they're performing at a higher level throughout their race. So that could be a piece of it. So if she didn't sweat much, you guys ran Boston. Like it was 50, but it was cool with the headwind and we were soaked from the rain. Like I never once felt hot and I'm somebody who runs very, very hot. Like last year's Boston, you know, I was sweating like crazy. It was 52 and sunny. So so if she doesn't sweat much and it was that cold, she probably didn't need a whole lot of fluid and she was only out there for what, two hours and 22 minutes or something like that. Um, so she probably just didn't need nearly the amount of fluid that some of us would need. So are you saying that typically Emma Bates is a soggier human 
than the rest of us. I'm saying she's probably not a soggier human. Well, no, because she needs the hydration. She's, obviously, she's got she's got built in reservoirs. Oh, built in sogs. Yeah. That's yeah, so she's waterlogged where we <laughs> expel ours. So she's walking around like a jelly monster. <laughs> That's one way to, I suppose, look at it. And then the other people are asking, too, wait, she only takes UCAN. There was a lot of questions about that. But I did the math. If she's taking a UCAN every 5K, which is where those bottles are and what she stated, that means she's, for her marathon pace, she's running a 5K like every 17 minutes. So if she's taking one of the UCAN edges, which has 19 grams of carbs every 5K, she's getting 67 grams of carbs an hour, which is pretty legit. Like that's a lot of carbs. We always say like start at 50 and scale up if you can. So she's actually taking in an impressive amount. Um, it's just, I think, the water that everybody was like, what? So wait, is the UCAN... Uh, from what I understand, it's a bigger packet mm-hmm. and has liquid in it, right? You know, I was actually trying to find that information out because I was wondering the same thing. Like, I think there's probably at least an ounce of fluid, maybe one and a half in each of those packets. So technically, she was getting, what would that be, like four to six ounces of fluid an hour from her gels, whereas something like the Morton really doesn't have any water with it. Yeah. So if she hydrated before mm-hmm. and had a pretty soggy uh, disposition plus having uh, the liquid in the generation you can. And then clearly she's going to probably have a Modelo at the finish because that's her favorite. <laughs> is that her, um, is it? Okay. She's probably good, right? I think so. Like, on, Obviously it worked for her. She performed amazing, you know? Um, yeah. So I think it's just good to remember. She makes it look somewhat yeah. easy. She like does. It, she's got a smile on her face. She's rolling. Like that, she's pretty impressive. She always looks so good out there too. She looks strong. She never really decompensates. Mm-hmm. Like she looks happy. Like you guys are saying. Like she just, she always looks great out there. Yeah. Yeah, she doesn't have those finish line photos of like my face is falling off. It's always like, <laughs> or like my downstep photos where my whole body looks like it's sagging into the concrete and asphalt. <laughs> yeah. The downstep, man. That's so harsh. It's gravity, Meg. It's just yeah. mean. Yeah. We can talk about that too, but it's not nutrition. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing you can fix. All right, so I mean, the moral of the story is Emma Bates is the superhuman, and she's got a crazy low sweat rate. This is the thing we talk about all this stuff, and we give best practices on the show all the time. And so Emma Bates, kind of like flying in the face of what we would normally recommend, and you say, okay, well maybe she's an anomaly or something like that. But what does someone like? How how do we determine if you need this. Is it because she's practiced this in training runs? Like what, like how do you tell somebody, yeah, you need to be drinking this much water during a marathon, but it's okay for Emma Bates not to. So I think one of the best things that we can do is understand what our own sweat rate is. So we talk about that all the time, like simply weigh in and out around a run, see how much fluid you lose. Is it a little bit? Is it a lot? So if we did that to Emma Bates, I would assume that she's probably barely losing a pound out there during her race, which is 16 ounces, which is not very much, where some of us lose 30 to 40 ounces an hour, which that is going to take a toll on our body. So we do have to have a plan for that. Okay. So we got a question recently from... Becca, good game. Good game. That's a cool name. Yeah, I thought so. Good um, game. Which was very interesting. So I pulled it out and 
So this is what she said. She said, hi, guys. I'm a huge fan of y'all. And honestly, Megan's wisdom has radically changed the way I eat and fuel my running. Wait, which Megan? The feathers. Oh, okay. I'm in a season of running ultras and have been curious about how your recommendations might adapt to that scenario. I follow a few different ultra runners. Most are on a carb train, on the carb train. I know that females specifically don't do great on low carb training. So with all those caveats, I'm on your team. I wanted to share this interesting podcast with Zach Bitter, reviewing a new study showing that runners on a very low carb diet versus those on a mid to high carb diet showed no performance difference in a couple different trials. Would love your thoughts. I would love to. So give that is thought. fascinating. <laughs> it is, right? Right? So headlines versus like digging into the weeds. This is a perfect example of that. So the headlines say low carb versus high carb diet, same running performance. It's like, whoa, right? But what we need to do is dive into how many people were in the study and the actual logistics of the study. So there was 10 people in this study. And what they did is for 31 days, they put them on a low-carb diet. And then 31 days on a high-carb diet. They had like a two-week washout in the middle. So it was the same people trying both things. And what they found was um, – or the, and then they put them through some different tests at the end. So this is the part that's the most fascinating to me is the tests were – one mile race, or six by 800 meters. That is a very different story than a half marathon, full marathon, triathlon, yeah. Ironman. So can we even look at this data and extrapolate it to endurance training? I, I don't think we can. I think that's a totally different conversation. It's fascinating research, but when we really look at what they were testing and the performance, you know, I, I don't think it's applicable to our population. Do we know who backed this study? Like who who put on this study? Because, I mean, this is not going to prove anything for the endurance athlete, like you're saying. Right. Well, let's see. I'm looking at it right now. Sometimes they'll show you conflict of interest. I mean, I can run a mile with nothing in me. Right. Yeah. Like I could fast right. for three days and run a mile. Right. So when we look at like carb loading and adequate carbohydrates, it's for people doing something for like over 45 minutes to an hour. I mean, people run a mile in five, six, seven minutes, you know? So, and even at first, I wasn't sure if the six repeats were 800s or miles. So I was like, okay, wait, if it was six mile repeats, that piques my interest, but it was six 800 repeats, you know? So even that is, you know, partly anaerobic. It's just not the same comparison. So um, I think that's the most interesting thing. But then if you dive into it a little bit more, and I put this graph in here, if you blow it up a little bit, you can see it. What, so the 10 people did both experiments, right? High carb and low carb. And if you can see what it's showing is like performance change on the graph on the right. And it's showing you what their time was at the beginning of the month and the end of the month on different things. So as you can see, there was a couple people in the low carb that got way slower. So that shows individual differences. Some people do not perform well even at a mile without adequate carbs, whereas some people did okay, or maybe were a tiny bit faster, you know? So I think it's really fascinating, too, to look at those, it's two different people that had were extremely slower. Like, you, their lines almost go all the way back up on the other side, and you don't see those extreme changes on the carb one. You know, no one was having these, like, visceral responses to, to that, like they were low carb. So again, I think individual variations is an important piece of this, too. So... Did you listen to the podcast? I did not. I had it pulled okay, up and I started to and I didn't have time to finish it. What did he say? 
I don't. I didn't listen to it either, but I'm just uh-huh. wondering. I mean, I'm assuming he's a low carb guy, and he's also a phenomenal athlete. But I think this goes back to almost our discussion about Emma Bates, where it's right. just it's so individualized, and maybe he's someone who doesn't need carbs as much as someone else. But what is the the point of this? Is it weight loss? Is it like the what study are you was for performance? Tell it was people? performance, and then two overall health. So there's kind of that notion out there, which we've talked about during the UCAN discussions of like, is it really good for us to be eating this many simple sugars? You know, that's not good for a human body. So they were tracking all sorts of different biomarkers with this test. So they were looking at what people's cholesterol did, what their blood sugar did. So kind of looking at some of those holistic wellness measures that you would get done at Inside Tracker or your yearly doctor visit. Also, um, and fascinating enough. It stated that 30% of participants on the high-carb diet averaged a blood sugar that was consistent with prediabetes. So they're trying to say that, like, high-carb diets for performance are causing prediabetes. And I'm like, I I just, my gut instinct was to get mad at that comment. I was like, there's no way that's true. So I scrolled through and looked at what they were measuring. And what they were measuring translates to a hemoglobin A1C of 5.1, which is not prediabetic. And that's how we diagnose prediabetes. So that statement isn't even quite true. It's just a fearful tactic. Um, And then the other thing was it showed that the people on the low carb diet had an increase in cholesterol. So if somebody has a, you know, heart history, you know, issues in their family, maybe that's not a good idea, you know? Let me ask you one other question in there. All right. So we're not talking about people that are doing a large amount of miles here for this test. Right. They're, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if for the rest of the week they are doing the mileage. I don't, I don't know. But so wouldn't that affect how you're processing carbs if you're not expending them through vigorous workouts? Then yeah, eating too many carbs would be bad. Like we know for a fact that if you're sedentary, eating carbs is bad for you. You have to have a balanced diet. Yeah, Yeah. But the reason why we recommend high carbs is for endurance athletes is because you're actually using that energy to fuel your workouts. Mm-hmm. So that's the other thing I don't know about the study. And, and again, uh, you know, I don't even know, you know, since I didn't listen to the podcast, I can't really comment on it. But is that the case of, of the athletes involved when they're measuring these things? How active were these people in the test? So they said they were highly trained male subjects, the 10 of them. But when you looked at it, they were averaging 30 miles per week running, which is pretty low for a marathon runner, right? Like that's not a significant amount of miles. And then the diets were either 50 grams of carbs for low carb or 350 for high carb. So depending on their body weight, you're right, Thomas, that could have been too much, but I don't, I could find it, but I didn't like calculate out how many grams per kilogram that was or anything like that. Was this a recent study? February 9th of this year. So yeah, more recent. Oh, wow. I were, I mean, I know... This isn't relevant, but like we're still just measuring dudes. Women are still not involved in studies. Well, they've Great already point. told you that women can absorb carbs. <laughs> That's right? true. Didn't women they don't matter. That? Yeah. <laughs> Forget women. It's the men that we care about. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were also calling these people middle-aged males in their 40. It was like, womp, womp. <laughs> yeah. Middle-aged. I mean, that is, that is the start of middle age, I think. I mean, if you're lucky and you live to 80, that's pretty good. Okay. All right. Just tack on 20 extra years if it's really good. <laughs> and then you're like, why? The only reason I'm living to 100 is so I can 
run a marathon and get an article in Runner's World to be No, like, at 100, right. you're not running a marathon. You're doing that 100-meter <coughs> walk sprint thing that those old guys do that is amazing. All right. It looks so, so I'll make it. Though. Well, you don't know. Maybe by that time, we'll, I'll be able to do the whole marathon. And then I'll be on the Guinness World Record book. Okay. Didn't a 94-year-old do it okay. or something? I think she no. just did the 5K. I'll just keep eating my carbs. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. She blazed it, though. It was like a 17-minute 5K. <laughs> fact checker. Where's our fact checker? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I figured nobody would be able to check that quickly. <laughs> All right, so continuing on our carb discussion here, we have another question from Gina. She said, hey, all, I'm a longtime listener and have a question about carbs. Sometimes it feels like I'm eating the house down, trying to get in all the carbs I need for Ironman training. Does it matter if I'm eating pasta, bread, bagels, or grams? Lately, I found I'm... I really like high quality juices like tart cherry, beetroot, and some of the naked brand juices because I can sip on these all day and get a big carb boost to my diet. I do not buy the juice with added sugar though. Is that a good tactic? I feel like I'm doing my body good, but maybe I'm just all in my head. Thank you. I think it's a fine tactic. It absolutely is. I think we've found that, you know, drinking fluids doesn't How's she racing would be the question. Yeah, you know. How does her workouts feel? How do you, how does everything going? Sounds like it's going. Sounds like this is a choice that she's supporting and she wants us to say, yes, keep doing it, which I am. I think it's good. I think we can absolutely keep doing this. I mean, I've worked with a lot of Ironman athletes. You guys train. You guys make us look like sedentary. They train so many, like 12 Uh to 14 hours a week. So their carb needs are very high. Oftentimes their appetite is blunted, so they can't always listen to their appetite. So if we do need to drink some of those carbohydrates, we need to drink some of those carbohydrates. So I think it makes sense to play around with that. You know, from a performance standpoint, carbs are carbs. You know, so we know that things like juice actually restock glycogen stores faster than whole wheat pasta. So, you know, you're certainly not doing any harm by consuming some of those things. And if it helps your performance, like Thomas said, you know, I think it's worth playing around with and being open to different types of carbs that best support you, how you feel, your training, recovery, all that kind of stuff. So at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if she's eating pasta or bread or bagels or grams. It's kind of what she wants. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. It's get, getting enough in to fuel her runs. Yeah. Contrary to common belief, it doesn't have to be bagels. <laughs> I mean, I think that's. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're big on grams as well. Yeah. I mean, grams she's hitting all your, your, your bells, I guess. When we were at Athletes Village, Meg and I whipped our grams out, and there was how many of us, like eight, sitting in a circle there? And like two other guys pulled theirs out too. I was like, yes. <laughs> Did you tell the... I took my grams. I had grams. Did you tell the story on the bus? Oh. The gram story to Megan? Did they tell you that? So Robbie's sitting next to this guy, and the guy uh, pulls out his gram crack, or was it Robbie who pulled out gram crackers? One of the the two pulled out No, it was the guy. The guy next to Robbie pulled out gram crackers. And he's like, oh, you're having gram crackers? He's like, yeah, I listen to this show, and they got, you know, they talk about the gram crackers, and... He said he listened to Allie Feller and she had a sports dietitian on and that she was recommending graham crackers. And Robbie goes, we know that dietitian and we have a podcast with her. <laughs> Man, I was hoping you're going to like talk smack about me or something to him. Like, she's crap. <laughs> yeah, don't put that cracker down. <laughs> I know. Those don't work. <laughs> I got this voicemail from Allie Feller on the weekend because I didn't have her number saved and I don't like, you know answer random numbers and it she said that they were doing like categories with cure tomato and it came up g and it was what you eat before you run and like she couldn't even get her mouth open and the whole crowd was like Graham! 
comes and i was like oh my god it's just been made look at this like making people fuel all over the running i feel like there's an opportunity to have feather shaped graham crackers and a sponsorship how the sponsorship hasn't happened yet i don't uh, i don't get that one yeah i don't know where sport grams sport grams with sodium and graham crackers hmm i don't every box comes with a jug of water (laughs) (laughs) i i just don't want the taste to change too much but you're right a little more sodium would certainly be beneficial pre-rest salted burnt salted grams that sounds that's what i want (laughs) no no like no but a little sweet a little salty that they could make that work Mm -hmm. salted grams Mm -hmm. okay we have another carb question all the carb questions this week so Carolyn said, hi, Fuel for the Soul. I had a question about the types of carbs we carb load with. Before Berlin 2022, I carb loaded pretty exclusively with bagels, pretzels, grams, bread, and pasta and felt absolutely incredible the entire race, which resulted in almost a 16-minute PR. Boom. Later that fall, I ran the New York City Marathon, the hot one, and felt like I didn't get as much out of my carb load as I did in Berlin. I live and work in New York City, so life was pretty business as usual leading up right up to the race. With the chaos of work, commuting, and trying to get every marathon weekend event, LOL, by late afternoon of days one and two of the carb load, I knew I was not on track to hit my goal and went down to the bodega to find whatever I could that had a high amount of carbs, Skittles and other candies, naked juices, etc. in an effort to get as close as I could That's to my two goal. two naked juices. Obviously, the weather was miserable, and I'm sure that played a major role in how I felt that day, but I was wondering if there's any sort of hierarchy of the quality of the carbs we take in as part of the carb load are bagels bread pasta a quote higher quality carb that will give us better and longer energy than skittles or does our body process them all the same starting to think about this after the discussion of UCAN and martin and how they are different types of carbs and processed differently by our body so i was wondering if that could be applicable in real foods as well not that skittles are real foods lol thank you guys so much for changing my relationship with food and nutrition both on and off the race course all right, first, I'm going to jump in before feathers. Generation Yukan and Martin aren't two different kinds of carbs. One is a carb ready to go. The other one has to be converted into sugar. In Wouldn't that body. make them two different things? Yeah. No. It, 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 I, maybe we should let the professional answer this because so far l- it wait, seems like you're batting zero. Uh, look, I stayed at a holiday in <laughs> last night. I'm going to handle this one. Um, <laughs> it's the way that your body processes. The quality of the carbs is the same. It's just a different way to process the to get to the carb. Megan, fact check this man. He's not he's not completely wrong. He's not completely wrong. So all carbohydrates Learn are that. Break. Learn wait a second, feathers. Megan, learn that phrase. He's not completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not siding with you completely though. So all any type of carbohydrate we put into our body is gonna be broken down into the same sugar molecule, right? So it's all broken down the same thing. So technically, yes, I guess you can would be broken down into something. But the way our body processes those types of things, I would not consider them the same. I, I agree with you, Meg. Like I would not consider those two the same. I wouldn't consider lentil pasta and Skittles the same carb. Yes, they're gonna be broken down again into sugar and used by our body, both of them, you know, but the way that they're going to get there, how much our body absorbs of them, how our blood sugar responds is all going to be very, very different between those two products. And that's why we eat 
red lentil pasta for lunch to keep us full all day because it's slowly absorbed. It doesn't spike our blood sugar. It has fiber and more vitamins and more minerals. Whereas if we eat the same number of carbs in Skittles, we're never going to feel full. It's going to spike our blood sugar. It's going to drop it back down. You know, that's what a healthy body is going to do. Anybody who doesn't have prediabetes, diabetes, all of us that are running this much, you know, our body is very good at if we put more carbs in, our blood sugar, of course, is going to increase. But then we have insulin from our healthy pancreas that's going to bring that back down. But it's actually those increases in blood sugar that trigger insulin, which is a storage hormone for us, to store that carb as glycogen. So the whole up and down of your blood sugar during a carb load isn't necessarily a bad thing. You know, that is actually what's stocking those glycogen stores. So if she found out she was behind and she could eat three times as many carbs in a bag of Skittles as she could with a bowl of red lentil pasta, you know, and her stomach wouldn't bother her because she didn't have all that fiber, you know, I think she did the right thing. I would encourage somebody to do something similar to that um, if they find themselves in that scenario where they're like, crap, I'm really behind. I need to get on top of this carb load. It works really well for me. You know, what do I do from here? All right. So this is confusing because <laughs> one, Skittles and lentils are the same shape. But two, uh, earlier, yeah, earlier we talked about how carbs are carbs. So earlier you're saying all carbs are carbs and the carbs are good. Carbs, great. You want to drink them. You want to eat them. However you want to get them in, get those carbs in. And now you're telling me it's different. You're right. I am. So I think in my mind, the context is important. So when we were talking about the person that a carb is a carb, just get them in. We're talking about adequacy of getting enough carbs in their daily diet for their performance, for their recovery. This is specific to a carb load. So this is specific to increasing that amount dramatically to get it stored into our body as extra energy. Um, so in that case, there might be better options for a carb load if we're behind to allow ourselves to eat more. But technically, if somebody's like listening to this and they're like, oh my, I can't eat Skittles anymore. I feel awful. I have people say that. Their blood sugar spikes and drops too quick and they feel... I don't like feel, Skittles. <laughs> I think they're delicious. They feel that drop, so they don't feel good. So I've had a lot of people tell me I don't want to eat straight sugar when I'm carb loading because I don't feel good for three days. And I'm, that's a valid point, right? Like if you don't feel good eating more simple carbohydrates because of some of those swings in blood sugar and you're more sensitive to that, then we can carb load with more whole grains as long as your body handles the fiber. It just might take a little longer so that we just, if we get behind like this, we probably couldn't catch up as quick without having some of those more simple carbohydrates. So there's a million ways to carb load. It's just figuring out what works for you so that you're getting enough and you feel your best during those three days, um, which sometimes takes some planning. Okay, but so let's say it's the day before the marathon and I messed up and I am not, I did not do a good job of my carb loading. Are you saying that I should like double up for and make up for yesterday in one day i would encourage you to increase it i don't know if double up that might be a little hard for some people but i mean when you look at the classic carb loading research they're actually giving people 12 grams per kilogram of carbohydrate in two days so it's usually a very high amount in a short amount of time i stretched it out to three days because nobody was doing it's too much food most people can't do it so if you're taking that into consideration i mean they've even done one day carb loads in people so it's physically possible it's just hard for people to eat that much food sometimes also remember the whole point of the morton gels was to be able to get as many carbs into kipchoge as possible mm -hmm. during his attempt at the sub two so even then, they're like, he probably carved up plenty, and they're probably like, 
but let's jab some more in, top that off, and let's do it in a way that your stomach won't explode. And so you bring up a good point. So if you're somebody who doesn't carb load well or screws up your carb load, you could technically take more fuel out there. You just want to, don't want to take so much more than your body's used to, right? Like we have to train our gut to accept higher amounts of, of gels. But if in the past you're like, I've never been able to carb load well, maybe then you train yourself to take more gels in your next training cycle so you don't have to rely on it as much. It's just we've got two places we're getting fuel from during a race, and it's our stored glycogen and the gels that we take. So, you know, it's just kind of a balance of those two things. There's honestly no right or wrong way to do it. It's just what works best for each person so they're getting enough and have enough carbohydrates for that higher performance. I will say I feel like in general – carbs at least on you know like the main media channel that we watch like today show and all those things like carbs are getting more love are they're getting a lot more love like they're being more accepted they have dietitians on there that are explaining exactly how you do like this is an energy source this is not a terrible thing and so i feel like we're seeing the shift back over to i'm wondering what the next thing will it's be, the though. carb mafia Paying off the syndicate. like do you think fat's going to be the next thing that they're like that's terrible if carbs you know. are okay no, it's they'll be, be like, something. fat's great for you. Sprinkle some carbs on your fat. Or maybe it's meat. I feel like people hate meat yeah. right now. I, I do think fat's going to swing back around at some point as a villain again. Because it's, it's gone too extreme. Yeah. It was like no fat and then eat 90% fat. Like those are two massive extremes. I'm still not sure we've people have settled. So I can see that coming back around. Yeah. Yeah. I can see a low fat craze coming in real hot. Ugh. I'll tell you don't. what. It came back as a <laughs> craze this weekend. My chili. I made chili and everybody was crazy about it. <laughs> All right. Um, I think we talked enough about carbs today. Is there carbs. anything you want to wrap this up with, Megan? Any any wisdom to leave us with? I mean, one of the things that makes me very happy is that you guys are starting to question things that you see that don't align with what we've been talking about. And I love that you guys bring it here, right? Like Emma Bates didn't drink any water, you know, which we just decided is okay for her, but maybe not okay for us. And... Um, Low carb. I mean, it's only okay with her because she had good results. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if she those had bad last results, two miles. Like, <laughs> yeah, we'd be like, well, yeah. <laughs> Could she have led the whole way? No, I'm kidding. I really don't think it was a hydration issue. Um, and also, when you're hearing things like low carb has equal performance as high carb. I know not everyone wants to read a study, so send it to us like you just did, and we can look it up and kind of look at it. But I love to hear this kind of stuff, especially like we said, this only came out two months ago, you know? So if there is research that changes how we practice as sports dietitians, like I'm open to it. But this research article was not that. <laughs> yeah. And then Ooh, really, maybe truly- it's time to do a new research article. Put it people that do 50 to 60 miles a week, have them do a week on low carb take a week off and a week on high carb i commission you feathers to do this study <laughs> i need to find an institution to do it for me i don't have an irb at my house yeah, there we go <laughs> yeah. yeah no but it would be interesting i mean i think we'd need that full month probably too but i mean i i don't know do you think we could get people to enroll in that study oh for sure mm -hmm. yeah I dig it. easy day oh. yeah yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. I think that probably wraps it up for this week. This episode may or may not be on YouTube um, <laughs> with the video. We had some internet 
connectivity issues. So TBD on that one. But our plan is to hopefully roll this out on YouTube for you guys as well, because we put the audio up over there and um, people are eating it. People are loving it. So we're going to we're going to try and get the video up there eventually. If not this one, then hopefully next week's episode. Um, yeah. So if you have a question that we have not answered, go ahead and send us an email at fuel for the soul podcast at gmail.com. Or you can leave us an audio message on the uh, Spotify podcaster app. I have a question. Why aren't we using the good webcam? <laughs> Meg, okay. Now everyone can see your face when he talks. It's going to make it so much more clear for everybody. <laughs> I'm losing okay. my mind over here. Okay, can you do? Can you sign off, everyone? Bees and carrots. Bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> and graham crackers. Graham crackers. Oh, my goodness. talk about gnarly nutrition it's gnarly it's like roofy oh, wow. oh. <laughs> uh, that's good wow. that's good let's see there we go perfect ready for camera who's gonna go are you frozen megan it's like a lag Uh-oh. oh what? is it ours or hers it's the Megan show. I hope this makes the bloopers. You should be on board. Nope. Okay. All right, I'll show you my toast light in case anybody wants to see it. Oh, I guess you can't. Oh, there it goes. It's toast. Anybody wondered what's on my desk? There's a toast light. Plug it and plug it back in. Can you check okay. the one up my in co- my office? Posts need to come back, so I quit showing you what's on my desk. Are they taking a run break? Hello? Oh, I'm getting a text. You go up. Or Let's I'll see what it says. Is. Hang tight. Something happened to our internet. All right, so I'll just continue to put on a show for you. Let's see. I don't really have anything else exciting except for a wall full of supplements over here and pictures of my very cute children. Aren't they adorable? They're cute. I know. As Thomas said, they're very loud. My toes cracks in the morning. But that's what kids are supposed to be. Loud, funny, humor, interlude. Yeah. That's no nitric acid oxide. <laughs> nitric acid <ass> something. <laughs> oh, I almost uh, just fell out of my chair.